as a Christian, you are not meant to just be a spectator in the gospel. You are called to be an active participant in it, proclaiming the good news about Jesus to the world. But that's a tall order. So today on Rooted Daily, we talk about how the 99% of us who don't have a PhD in the Bible can defend the gospel to the world. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less, each day we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God. I'm Brandon Levy, and if you are living your faith the way God has called you to live it, you should get questions, and not softball questions. Well, where do you go to church, or, or can I come too? You might get those. You hope you get those. But if you are really living out the kind of radical faith we see exemplified in the New Testament, you're going to get tough questions too. How can you possibly believe the whole world came into existence by the command of a creator? How can you believe that this book is supernatural, inspired by God? How can you believe a man who was dead really came back to life? How can you believe that he is still living 2,000 years later? How can you believe any of that against the onslaught of opinions from the world's leaders and scientists and thinkers? Or maybe you don't think so scientifically, what about theology? Do you understand the difference between Calvinists and Armenians? Which camp are you in? And spoiler alert, you don't have to be fully in either. But I'll admit, I love learning about that kind of stuff. I love digging into the science and the history and the, the archaeology and seeing the evidence of God. We can see the order and creativity of God all around us. I like looking at the history of theology and seeing how it compares to what I believe today, what I see in the Bible. It's fascinating. But as interesting as all of that is, let's be clear, it is not necessary. And as a lot of, I think especially young Christians, may be struggling with wanting to stand up for the gospel with their friends and their colleagues and their professors or their parents or their pastors, but they get hit with all of these questions, the temptation is, at best, to slip into a defensive shell. We stop reaching out. We stop living so boldly. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that all of these questions lead to a devastating crisis of faith because we think we need to go to university for 12 years to even begin to understand the answers. You think about the responsibility of teaching a class or, or leading a small group. If you have to have 12 years of school to begin leading, to begin teaching others, to begin defending your faith, then we should be a church full of priests, but we get to be a lot smaller if that's our qualification. The good news is you don't really need a PhD. I'm not knocking people who do. I love learning at their feet. But to be a bold advocate for the gospel, to lead a small group, to tell your friends about Jesus with confidence, God has given you everything you need in his word. It really can be that simple. There are a lot of helpful tools and resources out there, but none of them are necessary. If you are willing to get into and root yourself in the word, that's really all it takes. I mean, think about the first Christians. Scientifically, they couldn't begin to understand the incredible intricacy 
of God's creation. Theologically, they had no commentators spelling out the meaning of the apostles' preaching. All they had was the words themselves. They had the scriptures. And they were, I think, the boldest defenders of the gospel the world has ever seen. I wish I had half the boldness and courage of a guy like Stephen or like Paul in Acts chapter 17, really all throughout his ministry, but Acts 17 is a good example. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they start out in Thessalonica, and what do they do? They reasoned with them from the scriptures, but the Jews rioted. So the group moved on to Berea, and you might remember what Luke wrote, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, why? because they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. You know, the Bereans, they didn't have science textbooks to tell them that this world was created. They didn't have archeological documentaries to tell them that the walls of Jericho really fell. They didn't have commentaries to explain Paul's teaching. What they had were the scriptures. And they took what Paul said and held it up against what God had already told them to see if it lined up. And what happened then? More questions. You know, when you get beyond the superficial and you really start digging into scripture, that's what happens. You'll get more questions, good questions, harder questions, and they will challenge you. In Acts chapter 17, verse 13, we read, but when the Jews in Thessalonica learned what Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, or excuse me, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy, they stayed at Berea. So maybe that's lesson number two. The first lesson is to stick to scripture. There are other resources out there, sure, but and they're helpful, but scripture is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it is sufficient. You do not need a PhD. But if you are struggling with the onslaught of questions, here in verse 13, the lesson I think sometimes is that it's okay to leave. And I mean that. I know it goes against everything that we believe in this rational, logical worldview where we have to just argue in the comment threads of Facebook all day long until we make others bend to our point of view. But sometimes it really is okay just not to engage, not to fall down the rabbit hole. Now, obviously that doesn't apply to honest, good-hearted questions about the gospel. We shouldn't run away from those. We always need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have when people ask. But the questions from these people in Thessalonica, they weren't honest. They weren't good-hearted. They were designed to tear Paul and Silas and Timothy down. They'd already gone a few rounds with these scoffers, and and getting caught up in the debate now, it, it just wasn't going to help. And so they moved on. And we are allowed to do that too. Then Paul ends up in Athens, verse 16, and he has this beautiful presentation of the gospel given to some philosophers. And he says that the unknown God they worship is actually the almighty God. And in verse 31, he tells them, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given 
proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. God will judge the world. And the evidence of that is the resurrection of Jesus. That is the message we are proclaiming to the world today. And it is a radical and it's a difficult message for some to believe. I mean, can something that is dead really be brought to life? And as Christians, sometimes we try to dance around sharing that bit of the gospel. We say, yeah, yeah, God's good. Jesus loves you. He, he wants you to live a good moral life, love other people. We share that and it's just fine. That's easy. But sometimes we avoid getting to the heart of what we truly believe. Jesus is the son of God and they crucified him. They buried him, but death could not hold him. He rose and he ascended into heaven. And a lot of times we avoid that core message. Why? Because we know, at least to some audiences, the first question we're going to hear is how can you prove it? How can you prove that? How can you prove the resurrection? And our temptation is to try to find an answer. We read books and we study and we, we try to come up with a logical argument and, and we hold back sharing that news, that gospel, until we think we know enough to prove it. But let me tell you, Paul was, in my view, one of the best defenders of the gospel in all of history. And he gave this beautiful presentation of the gospel centered on the resurrection of Jesus. And what was the response? Verse 32, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council and some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. So what was the response? What did they do? Well, some scoffed. Some people scoffed. People, or Paul didn't uh, address everyone and everyone just went along with it. He didn't answer every question for them. Or if he did, it still wasn't good enough. What he did was rely on the word of God. And some scoffed, but some believed. Every place he went, that was the case. Some scoffed some believed. And when you present the gospel, some will scoff and some will believe. You will never know enough to answer all the questions thrown at you. But trust God. Trust his word. Study the Bible. Memorize passages. Pray about it. God will use his word to give you everything you need to defend the faith, both to the questions you have yourself and the questions others have, PhD or not. And that'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. I could not wait to sit down and open up God's word with you next time. Thank you for watching this episode of Rooted Daily. We're praying that you're growing with us as we study the Bible and use God's word as our only foundation. If you appreciate this content and you want to make sure that others can see it, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app and hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, let's talk to debt. Just send me a text to 317-207-2734.